Hello, and welcome to the Alchemist Inkwell. This is your spiritual podcast for grounded people. I'm Emily. I'm Crystal Lynn, and today we have an incredibly magical and beautiful and wonderful person who is the guest on our show today, and that is Erin Fogel. Erin, I don't know if I could do justice to introduce you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do with all the incredible modalities you work with? Thank you. <laughs> um, I have a few modalities. So Crystalline and I originally met through the astrology world, which is one of the modalities I work with as an astrologer. Um, I also am a core pattern practitioner and a tarot reader. Um, and I'm a musician. So I have a band called Queen of Swords. And up until about a few months ago, I was also running a music festival in Toronto where I live. I love your band name. That's amazing. <laughs> well, and I definitely recommend checking out the music. Didn't you just recently release a new single and several new songs? I'm following you on Spotify. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So in June, um, this past summer, it's 2023, when we're recording this, um, I put out a record called Year Eight with um, a really wonderful queer label in LA called Get Better Records. And Year Eight is actually... Um, a reference to perfection years because most of the songs were written during an eighth house perfection year. But I thought that eighth house perfection year was a bit too confusing as an album title. So it's year eight. <laughs> gotcha. And so for listeners who aren't, um, are wondering what perfection means, that is an astrological timing technique. And so um, that is referring to a, a year of your life that is a little bit more eighth housey, which is transitional, um, renewing <laughs> let's just say the eighth house governs death but you don't die every time the eighth house is active so it's a lot of endings and beginnings I guess is that how you would put it Aaron yeah that's a beautiful way to describe it it's like uh, death during life as a kind of initiation um and you know maybe sometimes you get your finances in order on top of that <laughs> yeah. or inheritances which is Nice. And they don't always have to come because somebody else passed away. Sometimes we get inheritances, especially these days, while people are still here to mm -hmm. uh, to enjoy with us. So that's nice. So you mentioned core pattern work and Kristen and I have both worked with you on that previously. Could you say, tell us a little bit more about what that is and how that works and, and what that modality even means? Because I don't think a lot of people are familiar with it. For sure. It is a fairly small school or modality, which is why I think a lot of people are like, wait, what's that? <laughs> it's not, mm -hmm. um, it's not a huge body of practitioners in the way that like astrology and tarot now are and, and are kind of more familiar in people's lexicon. Um, but it came from a very small mystery school that uh, existed in the States in the nineties called master alignment. And um it is a channeled body of work that uh, works with the presence of Metatron. So some people, especially those who are interested in esoteric work and all that kind of stuff, may have heard of Metatron. There's sort of like different interpretations or delineations about who and what Metatron is, depending on where you go and you ask. But basically, a core pattern reading is a channeled session where I work with Metatron and a group of spiritual guides to receive information for someone. 
Um, and the information is meant to help them understand whatever their repetitive life patterns are that they experience. So I always say to people that it's kind of like looking at trauma from like a soul perspective, <laughs> because um, especially in recent years, it's wonderful that people have more of an acute understanding of how trauma works. Like we go through something that is painful and difficult to recover from. And then some residue of that trauma stays with us. And it kind of feels like we're re-experiencing that over and over. So a core pattern reading is like looking at the trauma that your soul is carrying that is creating these deeper patterns in your life. But it is also looking at your gifts and what you're here to do and um, supporting you in being able to step out of the pattern and into your gifts in a deeper way. And honestly, I will say from my experience, it did tap into and validate and affirm so much that I had been kind of getting hints about for years. Um, and then this was sort of the last thing, the the consultation with you was the last thing where I was like, this is the moment where I'm going to either realize that I've been on the wrong path and go forward somewhere else, or finally accept this and really start working with it and start, start getting out of my own way. Uh, and you really, I, I'm so glad the, um, uh, the consultations are recorded because they are so tuned in. You know, Em and I talk about theta healing and the theta brainwave. You get so far into that when working with you. It's just such a an incredibly high energy that you get to sit in. Mm, I'm so grateful to hear that. And I, I feel the same. Like I had a core pattern reading when I was 18 and it just completely changed my life. And I, I was like, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> because it's recorded, I'm still going back. Like there's a piece of my core pattern reading that now at this time at, in my mid thirties feels relevant in my life in a way that it never has before. Like it's still continuing to reveal information to me as I walk through my life and as I work with it. So um, it, it's quite powerful stuff, which is why I felt really drawn to it, like as a life path. I also really like how, because it is like almost a meditation that you're sharing with the client that you recommend they listen to it for the next few days, a couple times, which really allows them to incorporate it and believe it as people, you know, this is the spiritual podcast for grounded people. And so a lot of the time when you have a reading with an intuitive of some sort, three days later, you're like, meh, I probably made some of that up and it, it doesn't seem like it's holding, but coming up with techniques that allow someone to carry it with them and really let it sink in is so important. Absolutely. Because when we're talking about patterns, we're working with things that are generally happening at a subconscious level. Like nobody to the best of my knowledge wants the difficult things in their life to happen to them and is going around trying to make them happen. I don't know, maybe actually, and that might be part of that person's pattern. Um, but there's always like something else happening at a deeper level. So um, the whole thing about the reading itself is that it's not something that's in our conscious awareness. It's helping us come into contact with something that is happening at a subconscious level that we can then begin to understand consciously and, and therefore make different choices with. So without the recording, it's kind of like we might retain a few pieces of information. And then I've often seen people years later be like, oh, 
yeah, I, I lost the recording or I don't know what happened to that. And they don't remember 90% of the information in the reading, but they're coming back for another session and asking the same questions. And actually a lot of that information was in the original reading. So it really just helps our brain kind of get on board with what's happening, which to me is a way of like working with very broad, vast energy in a very grounded way and actually being able to kind of like piece it together. Yeah. I think it's a really beautiful take too on more of like soul journey stuff. Cause I think a lot of people are really starting to get intrigued by that. Cause they've done a lot of the surface level, spiritual healing and exploration, you know, like they understand how to use maybe Oracle cards or some of that like base level stuff. And then now it's like, Hey, this is the next level. It's like, yes, it's there's past life elements to it, but also it's more of a soul journey overall, which I think is a really nice and unique, very timely exploration to be diving into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's been really fascinating to watch. Like I've been a practitioner of this work for about 12 years now. Um, and it's been really fascinating to watch the different way that the information is received in the last several years versus when I started as a practitioner. And I recognize that some of that is also just me and and my own growth process and all of that. But it really does feel like people are hearing and receiving this information on a completely different level from where it used to be. And that's consistent with other practitioners in this body of work too, like not just in my own experience. So yeah, it really does feel like people are interested in looking at things in a different way um, from what the general collective might've been doing, say like 10 years ago. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when you talk about channeling, whether you're doing core pattern work and stuff, what does that mean to you? How does that show up for you? What is your experience in channeling? Because everyone channels differently and we talk about it a lot on here. Um, So how is it for you? Yeah, so the method of channeling that I use is not like a full trance kind of channeling where I'm personally stepping out of the way and something else is coming through me. Um, I like to think about it more as a conversation with my best friend (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I I have like a, a very close loving relationship with. And at the start of a reading, um, I'll always start with a prayer that is there to open the boundaries to invite that relationship in. And then we'll also close the boundaries of the session at the end, which is really important. But that way we're kind of marking the beginning and an end of essentially a conversation. And so when I'm channeling, like I'm still there personally, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I might be like, oh yeah, um, I have to sneeze or my toe itches or whatever, you know, like my sort of personal experience is still there. Um, But I'm also, sometimes the information comes in different ways, but usually for me, like I'm, I'm a linguistic person. So I'll, I'll sort of hear or see words, or I might see strong visuals. Um, And so there's information that's being shown to me directly to communicate with the person. And um, I like to think also that the guides that I work with have a sense of humor. So sometimes they'll show me something and I'm like, I don't want to say that. And then I'll get nothing else until I say the thing. And then it turns out that that thing was like the most resonant part of the whole reading for that person. So um, it's very clear what the information needs to be, but it is experientially like a conversation with a friend rather than um, someone else kind of taking over the mic. (laughs) Yeah. 
Very much so. Uh, yeah, I can confirm spirit guides have a great sense of humor and love to embarrass us on a very regular yep. basis. So confirming that completely. Yep. Yeah. My favorite. <laughs> yeah, and the persistence is so relatable because it's the like, nope, you have to say, it. I'm not going to give you anything else until you move past this. And it's like, oh man, but I have to be the one who looks like the, you know, that they're looking at when it comes out. So mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And especially when I first started doing these readings, um, there there was an element of confidence where I was like, well, what if that's not the right thing? Or like, what if I'm not saying that? And I would be saying something that seemed so random and mm-hmm. also sometimes impossible to me. Um, and then I would open my eyes at the end of the session and it, it would it would be like completely speaking to like the most intimate details of someone's experience. So yeah, some of it is just building confidence and trust in um, how the information comes through. But I do love the sense of humor generally. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember in my own session with you, that did happen where there were things that you couldn't have known that I'd not really told anybody. I think M knew some of it, but other than that, um, and it came out and it was um, even thematically things that were just like repeating, which is really cool. And to your point with mediumship stuff or with channeling stuff, you can't really prepare. So you really don't know what you're going to get. The confidence thing is a big landmark in the process of learning to confidently deliver and share mediumship with people or channeling. And you just don't have like with astrology, we can sit with a chart for as long as we want to get tons of data. But with mediumship, it's like, I am here, I'm receiving and I'm offering it to the person in front of me. And it is going to be what it is going to be, which in some ways is really cool. And in others is nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, I feel like a lot of the prep work is just being able to show up and be as present and embodied as possible. Um, and that helps in so many ways, but other than that, you're just sitting down and seeing what's there, which is the complete opposite of astrology. Like you're saying, where I do tons of prep before I meet with an astrology client and, um, it, it satisfies my left brain experience a little bit more, but they both work. So, (laughs) Yeah. So on that note, how do you, do you weave astrology into your core pattern reading and channeling stuff? Or do you kind of keep that separate? Like how do each, how does each area, I guess, influence you? As a reading, I keep them separate. Um, mostly because the core pattern readings, like the, the channeled component will take up most of the hour anyways. Um, but tons of my clients are astrology fluent. And so in our conversation time at the end, they'll be like, oh my gosh, that fits so much with this square in my chart and this part of my like ascendant ruler. And, you know, they're, they're making the connection astrologically. But the reason that I started practicing both in the first place um, is because I had my core pattern reading at 18. And um, a few years after that, I went for my first astrology reading And um, I was blown away by how similar the information was. Like it was just saying the exact same thing from a different person who also had never met me. And Mm -hmm. then I, as I started to learn astrology after that in my early twenties, it 
really helped me understand my core pattern. So, you know, speaking to the theme of this podcast of like being able to use deeply esoteric and spiritual information in a grounded way, the astrology really helped me digest something that was so vast and so broad that was coming through my core pattern story. And, um, so I started getting interested in using them in tandem when I became a practitioner um, and being able to work with clients and doing their core pattern reading and doing their chart and then seeing how the two work together and how we can actually use astrology to help us um, unravel aspects of our core pattern while also like <laughs> understanding it's always going to be there because in the same way, like your chart is your chart for your whole life. Even if you try to move across the world to have a relocated chart, you're still going to have the same natal chart. And it's the same with our core pattern. Like we can go through these massive transformations and uh, these like huge shifts in our experience, but some residue or some element of the pattern is still going to be with us. So we want to understand it as best as possible. It reminds me of, you know, you have the natal promise in astrology, and then parts of that natal promise are going to activate with different timing techniques throughout the life. So you're not always the same person as you were when you were a baby. You do grow. Uh, there's a concept called teleology, which is the soul becoming more of itself through the process of living. And I think that that's a really beautiful way to think about it, too, exactly the way you just said. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and the core pattern work really aligns with natal promise and and with the notion of things becoming activated through the different timing techniques and passages of our life and I keep saying I had my reading at 18 like hello nodal return like there there was I mean tons of other stuff happening but even just that is like okay something really massive in the course of my life is being activated so um they work so beautifully together I find yeah so with core patterns then what what benefits, I guess, do you, have you found from knowing your core pattern and knowing what's underneath and like, has it helped you grow or has it been something that you're like, oh no, I feel limited by this at any point in time. And then worked around that. Like, how has that expressed for you? Oh my gosh. Let me see if I can answer this question. I'm sorry. Like the huge question. I'm just like, no. hold on. It's such a beautiful question. It's almost like as soon as I start to think about that, I almost get choked up with like the the inability to even express how everything, everything has changed. Um, I think I would be a very, very, very different person if I had not had that initial reading, including perhaps not doing this work at all. Mm -hmm. And doing this work and working with people is truly like one of the most, if not the most meaningful touchstone of my life. And I don't think I would be doing this if I hadn't had that reading. Um, and also everything else changes from there too. Like, I once, uh, I once went on a date with someone, uh, it was a first date and he was like, so you're an astrologer. Does that mean you don't have challenges? Like you don't, you don't have issues. <laughs> I was like, oh, sir, I'm an astrologer because I have issues. And I'm, you know, I'm looking for what is it? It's really, um, it was such an innocent question though, because he was trying to understand like, okay, well, what is the result of doing the work that you do? Um, so of course I have life challenges, but the way that I approach them and the choices that I make are completely different. And so I can understand now, 
okay, there's a, there's an aspect of my experience that's still running from my pattern or, or from that natal promise, like, oh, there's my ascendant doing its ascendant thing, or like, you know, <laughs> there's that square doing its square thing, and there's my core pattern. Um, but I make completely different choices uh, without using that as my kind of guiding post. And so I experience joy and satisfaction and connection and love in my life in a way that would never have been possible without this kind of work. And mm -hmm. all of that is there in addition to the challenges. It's like that stuff is just kind of running. And also I have this profound framework to really understand how, how to keep leaning into um, like the most true expression of who I am, mm -hmm. despite all that other stuff. Yeah. So that's probably a very like broad answer, but in reality, it's like, I, I almost can't answer that question, but it, it's, it's everything. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I find this in astrology and the other modalities that we also use where it's like, I know myself so well that even in this time of, of struggle, I know that there will be another side of this, that there will be an end to it. And I know that I have everything I need to do to move through it. And that even in the midst of it, I'm still me. Mm -hmm. and the circumstances have a purpose or a function, even when it's like the worst, you know, I I've reached a point in the past couple of years where I've questioned that, but mm -hmm. if you, you, you do have the energy and the faith to just go one inch further. And that's all the difference. A lot of the time. Exactly. Like if you're an astrologer and you know, you're about to like enter a Saturn for Daria, it's like, oh no, but also, you know, it's going to end at some point and you know exactly how long that will be. And there's sub periods and all these things. So it, it gives you the wisdom to, I think, depersonalize some of the elements of the experience in a way that, um, I find amounts to less pain and, and like less harm in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I like, as another example, I recognize my secondary progress moon is finally going to get out of Capricorn. It's full and it's been in Capricorn for almost the entire time. So we're going to get out of Capricorn and I'm like, I'm going to be able to breathe again. This is great. I can't wait. And it gives you something to look forward to, but also a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, exactly <laughs> that. And you, you're still going through the experience, but, um, maybe it becomes something different when you see it for what it is. Like I always think of the Schrodinger's cat experience where like when you're observing the particle, its behavior changes. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's very true of our experience with this kind of spiritual work is like when you are observing the experience, the behavior changes. So the thing that you were doing subconsciously um, without realizing it, that's producing a result that you don't like, can't stay the same if you're looking it in the eye, like inevitably something about it has to change. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful philosophy to hold with a lot of spiritual stuff too. I've, I've gotten similar questions from people that are like, well, if you're a psychic, like, can't you just figure out what's going to happen next? Like, why aren't you just like super rich and no having no problems? I'm like, oh, that is so deeply how it does not work. That is not <laughs> at all the way that this works in any way. But it's a really beautiful concept. It's still like, no, I still came here to do different things and have different challenges. And it's it's one of those things that I think is a huge misconception for people outside of this community where they're like, oh, you can just figure everything out then ahead of time. I'm like, no, that's not it at all. Even on like a, a root level with your guides, your guides will even be like, oh, no, we're not telling you that. And you're like, what do you mean you're not telling me this? <laughs> yes, I've worked yeah. so hard to see this. <laughs> the misconception that life should be flawless 
is mm-hmm. really an interesting one, isn't it? That we came here just to have a smooth ride. And if something's not going smoothly, we're doing it wrong. Um, and I think, you know, core pattern, mediumship, astrology, almost any modality will give you that perspective. And I think it's a really important one to, to integrate. I think, think about this so much, like you're speaking my language right now, because I, I actually feel like the idea that we should be living happy, perfect, stress-free lives is kind of a colonial construct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I, I am so grateful for having shared spaces with a lot of black and indigenous teachers who come from these incredibly wise lineages where that is not the goal of the practice, mm-hmm. but like our notion of enlightenment, whatever that looks like, like true enlightenment is not just about feeling happy all the time or like not having any life challenges or anything like that, because we live in a world that is full of all kinds of challenges. So it's actually like being deeply immersed in all the shit that's happening and not losing your connection with love in the process and not losing your connection with light and and your interconnectedness with other people like it's being able to hold all that in the midst of the shitstorm not to actually like step out of the shitstorm and be like that doesn't involve me I don't want any part of it and to kind of like clean it up which to me is very much a a colonial mind frame of kind of coming in with like a purity consciousness Mm -hmm. and and trying to just make everything good and everything pure and everything clean and it's like but that's not what planet earth seems to be about as far as i can understand (laughs) setting unrealistic dreams um for certain places that people can insert the word that comes before dream if they want to i know you're in canada right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so also hint hint anybody not canada necessarily (laughs) the one below (laughs) what i've actually been channeling a lot on this i've been working a lot with uh those recently not by choice. And um, it's just been (laughs) what it is, but I have been really diving into the concept that I think a lot of the reason we incarnate on earth is to experience discomfort in all of its many different forms and figure out how to exist through that. And like on the other side of that and how to deal with it when it arises. Cause I don't think on the other layers of the universe case cake discomfort presents in the same way it does on this one, which would again be a kind of the same thing that you're talking about of like it's not going to be pretty and happy and comfortable and you're not going to have this like peaceful perfect like it's just not going to be a thing that's just not what this experience is programmed to be about yeah. it's an adventure for whatever reason mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that part yeah <laughs> and like <laughs> I completely agree with you Emily and I, I really resonate with that and it's like from an astrological perspective, um, you can't just remove the malefics from Mm -hmm. existence, you know, or you can't just remove Pluto. Um, Although I do think it's ironic that they keep trying to make Pluto not a planet. And it's the part that represents all the things we don't want to look at. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's something about that. Heart on it. Like if you do look at it, you'll find love underneath. Like there's a, there's a huge metaphor there. (laughs) Exactly. I'm telling you, my life is one long Pluto transit and I think I'm doing pretty okay. So (laughs) so I'll, I'll be the example. Yeah. I was going to say, Krista feels very passionately about Pluto as well. (laughs) 
I actually protested when Pluto was first made not a planet. I had a petition. I got the whole school to sign it. I sent it to NASA because I thought that's what you should do. We held a pizza party when they walked back what they were going to do because they thought I did it. (laughs) Um, And then I found out that Pluto was on my ascendant. Oh my God. (laughs) This is why we're friends. That's amazing. (laughs) You're like, yeah, Pluto is my identity. I must fight for the existence of it. That makes so much sense. (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah the Pluto passion runs strong <laughs> yeah <laughs> I also have the, the uh, Scorpio moon right next to Pluto so it was you you can't pull those two apart so you, well, you can't pull it out of existence like it's just part of like you were saying Emily like for whatever reason it is it seems to be part of being human at least like right now at this time that it just is this way and Um, I can think of many examples of times in my life where I would have kept doing something if it wasn't as uncomfortable as it was. If it was just Mm -hmm. like a little more okay or a little more manageable, I would have kept doing it. And I think that's the whole thing about people's patterns. It's like there's a certain level of manageability to the patterning that we have and and the sort of archetypes that we have as human beings. And if uncomfortable things are not happening, we'll probably just keep doing them because they're manageable and, and it's fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and where, where that discomfort is, is actually, again, for whatever reason, like, I don't think it works this way everywhere, but, or at other times in the world, but for whatever reason, it is the discomfort that causes us to say, okay, maybe I need to make some changes or maybe I need to start doing things differently. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's experiencing catalytic moment after catalytic moment, like consistently and having to essentially be little energizer bunnies. Like that's why, like when people talk about self-care, it's like, yeah, taking intentional rest. So your body isn't like, we're going to get sick. So you sleep because it is, it's catalyzing moment over and over and over again and having to figure out how to navigate that, which is weird, especially in a, a human vessel that has to like eat and things. And I find it so fascinating too, especially on the topic of Pluto that, um, and apologies if my noise is crazy, I'm hoping it's not translating bad, but um, fantastic. Um, That constantly people want to grow, they want to evolve, they want all these things and they think that that just happens. And would that it did, (laughs) but it's not usually like that. We grow through trials, you know, that's why our stories have these archetypes of going through a trial of sailing on a sea for 10 years of whatever it is that you go through to become something Mm more. Exactly. Exactly. Like uh, it's making me think of that. I'm I'm just about to start um, a course with Jason Hawley on the Odyssey. So I'm really excited to like sailing on a, a sea for 10 years, but yeah, there's, there's something that comes out of the, experience of difficulty that produces that sort of catalyst energy that that changes things and um i don't really have any answers as to like why it is that way here because i think unanimously most people don't love that as like a mode of life being this way where you know we go through these like intense pressure cooker situations and then it produces growth and we have to kind of do the hard thing but i will say that like what I have seen in the core pattern work is that it it seems really hard to try to awaken out of it or to, to start to unravel it, to try to do the different thing. It's really, really hard work. 
but it is actually less hard work than doing the painful thing over and over and over again and trying to manage that. So it can be really like scary and um, overwhelming and confusing and, you know, feel like you're just setting sail for 10 years on a horrible Neptune transit, maybe. Um, but actually, it's less hard than doing the thing over and over that's causing you pain. Yeah. So I'm um, switching topics a little bit. Tell us more about your music. How did you get into that then? And does that partner with your spiritual stuff in any way? Yeah. Like do yeah. you use astrology in your music or anything? I mean, eight year eight is the title of the album. So there's gotta be something. <laughs> like do transits and things like um, my mentor, Larry will do um, performances around Venus in Pisces. And so that draws inspiration. Um, I write books based on whatever transit the inspiration came through. Do you kind of incorporate it that way? Yes and no. I think um, uh, music has been there for me pretty much from the beginning of my life. And I'm really grateful for that. Like my parents are both musicians. It was in my house growing up. Um, and I, I was very lucky to grow up in an art school in Toronto, which really helped foster a lot of my creative work. Um, and I actually grew up in the dance community and I was going to be a professional dancer. And then I did something to my knee at 16 and I had to, uh, figure out what else to do with all this like energy that I had, that I had just been like funneling into like 80 hours of dance a week. <laughs> so, um, I turned back to music, like I already had a bit of a foundation in it. I turned back to music as a kind of outlet and then it blossomed into this like huge, beautiful part of my life. So, um, I studied classical and jazz theory and harmony in school and, um, was like trained as a classical jazz musician, but then at the same time as a teenager, was getting curious about the DIY scene in Toronto and starting to go to shows and um, listening to experimental music and um, discovering the alternative spaces. And so that became a big part of my life too. Um, and so it was already there. And uh, I was, at the time that I started studying astrology, I was touring a lot with this band and was thinking, okay, well, maybe I'll be a professional musician and this will kind of be my thing. Um, and then he sort of got into esoteric work like backwards without meaning to, and it suddenly like became everything in my life. But because of the overlap, like, and because I was playing music full time, when I started studying astrology, I was like, oh, well, maybe I can start writing about this. And I tried for a few years and um, I scrapped everything that I wrote at that time because none of it felt genuine and I've heard and seen like all kinds of like really incredible versions of what you're describing Crystal and like the type of work that Larry does or even like um I'm a Sufjan Stevens fan like he has a, a really beautiful album about the planets that seems to really like capture the sounds of them so astutely but for whatever reason it never worked that well for me um and it just kind of felt like I was trying to explain something so I think it's in there, but um, more abstractly uh, and similar to also what you said, Crystal and I, I might write something during a transit or during a period of time that's representative of what that is without saying like, okay, this is a Pluto thing or, you know, this is that. Um, so like it's in there somewhere. Yeah. That's culture too. You know, culture is often going to reflect the transits, especially the further out ones. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and I try to write music that is both personal and transpersonal at the same time, um, because I, I want it to have meaning to people that are not just me. Uh, and so I share some personal information and stories and like a lot of the impetus for what I'm writing is personal, but I'll always try to take it to a collective level in some way. Also, I'm an Aquarius, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> like zooming things out, I, I find is really helpful in terms of making the music accessible or relatable to people. And because um, because I want it to mean something, because I don't want it to just be like, well, here's a thing that I went through or here's an experience. I, I want it to have some kind of offering behind it. So in that sense, it is astrological because I'm always thinking about things at that kind of cultural or collective level um, and because it reflects my chart. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I've I've kind of steered clear of being like, here's a song about Saturn, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That would be a very funny song though, I'm sure. There's a song about Saturn. Let me have my anger. (laughs) Right? Yeah, it would just be like a long, (laughs) like banging on a metal pot or something like that. And then like a sustained metal note for like eight hours. That would be the Saturn song. (laughs) All you need. It's it's the whole Saturn transit. You just listen to that. (laughs) It's a form of meditation, right? It's a focus. Totally, totally. Uh, what do they call it? You know, planetary me- remediation and all that. <laughs> yeah, like planetary charity, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Or even just like catharsis based on the space that you're in. You're like, I just need this one middle note because I also feel this. It reflects it perfectly. It's great. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, well, before we, we do have a really fun question from one of our patrons that we did want to ask you, but before we even ask that, could you tell us a little bit more how our listeners could find you or get a reading from you or where are you on the, the places? <laughs> yes. Um, well, you can find me on the internet. Um, so my <laughs> name is spelled a little funny. If you're just listening to the audio, it's A-E-R-I-N. Fogel, F-O-G-E-L. Um, so my website is erinfogel.com um, and I do all my bookings through my website. So I'm always accepting new clients just on a running basis and um, would welcome meeting some of you there. And I'm on Instagram at Queen of Swords Band. Um, same with, what's it called? The new thing, threads. <laughs> and uh, X at queen of swords and there's a weird underscore in there somewhere but if you search my name you'll find me and um i'm also hosting a program in january and february called the core pattern accelerator program so that is for people who have had their core pattern readings or are wanting to have their core pattern reading before the program starts and um we'll be essentially doing a deep dive in learning how to work with our patterns at a deeper level and Um, how to use some very practical healing tools and modalities to work our way through our patterns and um, deeper into our gifts. I love that. I can personally attest to Chris and I have both gotten a core pattern reading with you and they're phenomenal. So everyone should go do that. It was a really beautiful, wonderful experience. Super valuable. Loved it. So happy to hear that. Oh yeah. So we have a really goofy question. Uh, When we read it, we were like, 
let's do this with Aaron because it'll be fun. <laughs> I'm here for it, whatever it is. <laughs> okay, so this is from one of our patrons whose name is Russ. It says, it's so funny. You've been invited to the local Dragon Bistro for their grand opening. You've heard that the mini dragons and other staff that work there create the most amazing dishes together. What will you order as your inaugural dish? Oh my God. Wow. I love this person's brain. Um, (laughs) Exactly that, right? Yeah. No, he always asks, or they always ask the best questions. I don't, I don't know the gender. They they always ask the best questions um, in the group. It's great. Oh my God. That's amazing. Should I go first or do you want, do one of you want to answer? No, by all means go first. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Well, I'm feeling like it's some kind of scrambled dragon egg dish. So we're going to go for like a dragon egg omelet with mm-hmm. um, <laughs> fried roots, like burdock <laughs> and like lotus root. Uh, and then I would have some tea that's made out of pure gold because dragon so that's what I'm gonna go with it's probably the weirdest meal ever (laughs) sounds like somewhere I'm gonna go for brunch that's (laughs) um on the brunch note too I also got like breakfast food vibes which is interesting at first I was like maybe like a soup but then I was like I bet they make some like mean pastries like I bet they could make some delicious like absolutely ridiculously magical colorful pastries so however big the biggest pastry they have on the menu whether it's a cinnamon roll the size of my face or not I will get that yes okay so (laughs) what I would do is um I hope this is on their menu but I would hope that there is like a dragon fruit smoothie bowl in a chocolate egg shell and I would want a side of their best coffee because could you imagine how they would roast coffee with the flames it would be warm. I mean, <laughs> that sounds amazing. And also both of your choices were way more edible than mine. Um, but I love You're that. <laughs> I think it was really great. <laughs> I love that we all picked up on the word bistro, which gave us like the 90s, you know, like 90s bistro food is really a thing that unfortunately has gone out of style. And I love it. And you get like flatbreads and like salad with strawberry and balsamic vinegar and I feel like we were all getting that vibe we need more of that anybody who wants to create this dragon bistro please go for it invite us we'll be there immediately honestly though I bet there'd be actually like a lot of fried foods (laughs) if it's a dragon and everything's like done with fire (laughs) that's so true I didn't even think about that yeah everything is just like charred it's a lot of like activated charcoal (laughs) yeah right like oh we're getting we're getting fire roasted tomatoes and we're getting you know seared salmon and pizza or something you know let's have something they can keep the flames going and then making it in the cave of the pizza oven i would eat a a dragon flamed pizza for sure 100 percent 100 percent well thank you so much for being here and also for tolerating our goofy question like participating with that we so appreciate you being here like honestly it's been so lovely to get to chat thank you for hanging out with us oh thank you for having me it's been yeah really meaningful conversation and i appreciate what both of you are doing very much well we have really enjoyed it's been a fun conversation illuminating and so fulfilling again like the energy is just so good whenever you're in the room so that's beautiful and so appreciated uh is there anything coming up 
that, you know, any events or anything, you have your core pattern um, class you're teaching, anything else that you want to make sure that you kind of shout out before we wrap up? Hmm. Nothing that I've announced yet. Um, but if you live in the Northeast of the U S I might be coming to play a show in your city in March. Um, so you can join my queen of swords mailing list, which is separate from my client mailing list. Um, so the queen of swords website is queenofswords.org, and you can join that mailing list or follow me on social media to hear about that kind of stuff. Um, and all of my client related stuff always gets blasted out to my mailing list first. So you're welcome to join that too. Well, Erin, thank you so much. And um, to everyone listening to this, we hope that you have an incredible holiday. This is the last podcast you'll hear before the holiday hits, basically. Um, next yeah. podcast, we'll probably do a wrap up of the year and, um, or, you know, probably, well, next podcast is actually going to be me doing a live. And then after that, we're going to do a podcast of basically us wrapping up the year. Um, so if you want to pay attention, I will share the the calendar invite. I think I'll do a TikTok live. So if anyone wants to come and join that, by all means, go for it. Just like Krista did last week, two weeks ago. Time is pretend. Yeah, I think it was before. last week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, previously, what Krista did before, um, I will be doing this week. And then, um, yeah, we'll do like a New Year's episode probably after that. So just kind of wrap it up. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for being here. And we hope you take all of this magical, wonderful energy and you... Go make, make some, some magic. magic. It was oh, perfect. I don't think that was good. It was perfect on my end. Aaron's clapping. It counts for good, but <laughs> <laughs>